0: Back-to-back comebacks. The cardiac kids, whatever you're going to call them. The New York Islanders have had a brilliant start to the week. I don't know that we could encompass everything that happened in those games as brilliant. But the results, anyway, turned out in their favor. Um, they took 2-3 in their Midwest swing. Uh, they eventually lose to the Red Wings. After that loss... They found a way here. Um, some big takeaways, James Nichols, from from those <laughs> games. I, I, I guess I, I do want to start with the Blues game because we spoke okay. right. We spoke right before that, and it seems like a million years ago because there were four games since then. So it's a little hard to wrap our head around. Yeah. Um, what say you about? that game and ultimately you know the islanders have won seven of eight and uh in the last four three of four you know yeah, with it, that game, it's just
1: it's one of those things where like you know you go into that game you, you feel really good about the islanders in that game because they they won that game against the um uh, colorado avalanche you know previously not not too long ago coming back after being down three nothing they come out in the first period against the st louis blues and they just don't look good you know, it's like, oh, here we go. Like, you know, the back and forth, like, are they good again? Are they not good? Like, what is this team? Uh, and, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko puts the Blues up one nothing. And they come out in the second period and just friggin' explode, explode for like four. Was it four goals or was it five? It was four goals, one by four different goal scorers, mind you. It was Paul Mary, Brock Nelson, Josh Bailey, and, and Andrews Lee. Um, five goal scorers total in that game. Uh, JG Pajot uh, put the pretty bow on it, and you know, I after that game, I started to think about you know the sentiment that we had spoken about for a couple of years now when. You know, the Islanders got Paul Mary and they got Paz Joe. And it was like, um, you know, this team doesn't have one uh, necessarily ne- – not, not not necessarily they don't have one sniper who's just going to score you a ton of goals. But they have a few guys who are just going to put up a bunch of goals, right? Not, not necessarily a, a perennial 40-goal scorer, but a bunch of 20-goal scorers, right? You're starting to see that come to fruition, you know? Nelson's got a bunch – Lee's got a bunch. You can always bank on that. But now Paul Mary's scoring. Uh, Oliver Walsham has four, although he's slowed down. We could talk about it. Um, you know, Zach Parise has four. Like, there's a bunch of guys contributing up and down the lineup. And in, in that St. Louis Blues game alone, like I said, five different goal scorers between Paul Mary, Nelson, Bailey, Lee, and, and Bavillier. So, I mean, and, and Pajot. So, you know, it's it's – a couple of things here, like the the defense is getting better, um, the the offense is clicking. Uh, I I would say I, I I don't know it takes them like forty minutes and then suddenly you know you know that it's it's working, um, and and they're just continuing to get stellar goaltending. This is why the the goaltending tandem wasn't broken up this summer, like everyone had wondered if they would be.
0: Yeah, it was you know that was the fifth win in a row, and and we had seen them play fairly solid um, if not 60 minutes it was mostly you know two good periods um, and that was one of those games too where they they, they that first period wasn't great um, they, they came into the second period and then you know they they blew the doors off of it you know scoring four goals and I, and I think to, to speak to your point of five different goal scorers the you know we had joked god for what are we on episode 129 tonight? 28? <laughs> yeah, 129. Um, you know, we, we've joked for 128 episodes, make it 129, that they have three second lines. And yeah. really, for the first time in the offensive zone on the score sheet, anyway, um, previously under Trots, now under Lambert. I suppose it's a new era. But since we've started the show, they really, on paper, it was clear like there was depth. Right, like we could see it. there was a lot of potential for this to happen. under Lambert, you're finally able to see it. right. And the the these games and the comebacks and you know specifically like starting with this blues game, you're you're starting to see like they didn't need they won five to two ultimately yeah yeah they didn't even really need to do that if they could lock it down a little bit better later in the game it that could have been a three to one game you know that would have been more of a trots win three to one they would have just yeah scored three quick goals in the in the second period um and and that would have been the end of it but they're they're playing a little bit more running gun and but they're actually seeing as a result of that the depth is really showing that it's you're not just relying on Palmieri's on a cold streak and it just so happens everyone's cold streak lines up. You're actually seeing like everyone's being able to contribute different nights. One night it's Parise, one night it's Palmieri, one yeah. night it's Brock, one night it's, it's Wallstrom. So like the fact that Wallstrom's been cold hasn't really done anything, right? He, he needed to, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the last game and where he started against the Rangers on the fourth line. But I But I think there's you're not relying on him. Is what I'm trying to say in particular. Barzell hasn't scored any goals. Walsham has only got a few and it's been a while like it took a little bit for Nelson to get going. They were still winning hockey games and they were finding a way to do that. And I think it really speak. and I think this blues game, you know, and it just to, to kind of start, just because that's that's the game we're starting with, um really shows that. Um, yeah
1: you know and it was funny because like you you were talking about the goal scoring just now and i I quickly wanted to look up what the goals for per game are at the moment and uh i expected this number when i looked at it to be higher overall rank in the league they're scoring three and a half goals a game which is you know almost a whole goal more than they were last season um at 2.79 i believe so um now obviously goal scoring is up this this year i think the goal scoring has gotten uh uh, increasingly higher every every year. Um, but that has them ranked or, or tied for 11th with the Pittsburgh Penguins, who we know can score goals. Um, you know, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin and, and company. But three 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 and a half goals. I mean, when was the last time we could say that of the New York Islanders? The last time we could say that was when Doug Waite was behind the bench and, and it was all offense, no defense.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wonder I wonder what it was during that 17-18 season, um, if only for that stretch and not the entire yeah, that entire season and I'm showing on, on hockey reference anyway um, 49 goals for 7th out of 32 teams and really I, what I thought was interesting and I, I didn't really like I knew their goals against was, was good but I, just because they're scoring so many goals you're you know you flip the switch a little bit not to say anything bad about the goaltending but the goaltending you know goals against 36 ninth out of 32 that's still really good yeah you know so two or three goals a game really isn't a big deal. They, they haven't gotten any into in, any too too many, uh, barn burners. I mean, the avalanche game is five, four. Um, um, yeah. But outside of that, like a four goal against game is rare if that might be the only one, unless they got beat. Um, yeah, it's
1: like, you know, I, I, you, you notice that they're, they're keeping the, the, it's hard to say the trot system is still in place right because obviously they're playing more run and gun like you said you know a little bit more of a wide open game however when they're in their own zone what they did or what they're continuing to do um, a la trots is limit those shots and opportunities to the perimeter rather than in you know the, below the dots in the slot area uh, those high danger uh, chances they're they're limiting those um, it's largely just stuff that's happening from the perimeter and hopefully you know, the, the, uh, for the opponent's sake that they, they can catch a rebound and, and, um, score that way, but it's, it's really been limited. So, um, it, it's definitely, you know, this, this is what Lamorello built his team in my opinion to do, right? I think he believed that the scoring could come from all four lines. The, the defense would be just good enough, um, you know, and this was before they had Romanov and Dobson broke out, right? The defense would be just good enough to be able to be buoyed by the the, the goaltending of, you know, when it was Leonard and it was Grice and they were a really good tandem together. And then it was Verlamov and it was Grice, which was still another really good tandem. Now you have Ilya Sorokin and Semyon Verlamov. Probably, it, you know, the, the conversation right now, which we can talk about too, is that Ilya Sorokin is. Maybe better than Igor Shosturkin, and we, <laughs> if you want to get into that a little bit later, um, but you're looking at possibly you know one of the one of the best goaltenders in the NHL, at least top three. You don't need. I mean, of course, you want your defense to be good, but you don't necessarily need them to be on point every night because you know he's going to make those saves for you. And if you're scoring, you know, if if you're scoring or sacrificing two goals, but you're scoring four, you still win in a game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately in the long term, you're you're seeking to fix that. Whether that's a trade deadline acquisition, which if the Islanders keep in, you know, playing at this pace and they're in a playoff position, um, come February, March, whenever that deadline is, our schedules are all messed up. I can't really picture when that actual trade deadline is. I imagine sometime maybe early March.
1: It, it's mar- mid
0: March, yeah, mid March. Um, you imagine there's something that's going to happen. Lamarello despite some off season hesitancy or whatever it actually is he has made moves at the deadline uh, when when they were in it and Pajot palmieri um last year there wasn't anything so this year there there may be something again i don't know if he did anything that first 18 19 season nothing's coming to mind um as they as they went to the playoffs i don't remember exactly where they were at that point in the season but be, be that as it may um Eventually, they do have to figure that out. They do have to play a little bit more of that playoff hockey. Now, I understand the regular season not wanting to bog your team down with that. Right. And I think that's what had worn them out under trots eventually, you know, after three seasons of it during the regular season and then long playoff runs. Locking it down later in the season is going to have to be a thing. They, they are going to have to figure it out. And yeah. as evidenced by, you know, like, so the, You know, obviously against the Chicago Blackhawks and and the Blues, they are in in the midst of a skid, and they they really weren't going to give the Islanders too much of a hassle. Uh, Islanders also had some momentum. They were playing really well, so they had some confidence there. But then going against a team like the Red Wings, who I don't... I. I can't recall how they how they came into that game, but like they've been playing pretty well, too. Definitely above expectations. And they'd kind yeah. of been there for a while, you know, since the beginning of the season. It's not like it was just a, out of nowhere. Kind of like the Islanders, where they were like a middling team at two and four, and then all of a sudden they win five in a row. And yeah, it does wonders for you uh, in, in the standings. The Red Wings have been kind of like chugging along a little bit. You know, they get down to nothing and then just like can't find it. And Correct me you're going to run up. into that but that was, it's a, a, that was a matinee, right? It was a weird start. It was a so, a, a day game, and they've historically not been good at, in day games. Although I don't really right. know if I like looking at things historically like that. Because, no, but, but it's. know, it, I way. did
1: want to. Yeah, I did want to just make like it's not an excuse they shouldn't like not be good in day games, and whether that's you know the they're not. Uh, on the same page about how they're spending their nights before a day game or you know they they like you said historically haven't been good in matinee or, or one o'clock starts uh so it's not an excuse but it is something that they do need to figure out you know because i, I mean i don't know how many more of those there are on the schedule but still i mean you know if you're <laughs> you don't want to drop those games like th- that's a winnable game against the detroit red wings
0: yeah, there aren't any um, the rest of this calendar year just from, you know, glancing at the schedule really quick. So that, that's it's definitely fair. I think you just have to figure it out. I mean, like compared to the adversity they they saw last year, a matinee game is is the hurdle like that's a that's a pretty it's a pretty low bar. Like I, I understand it's kind of screws yeah. your schedule. And, um you know, as a as a avid pregame napper. Um, you know, when I in more like quote serious playing days, I I completely understand that. Um I don't know. Like you said, I don't know that I would use that as an excuse necessarily, but it it, it does play a factor. I I can respect it a little bit. But yeah, they, they don't look good. There's a real lack of energy. That's what gets you worried, right? This the winning streak is snapped. How are they gonna respond? How are they gonna bounce back? This is where and I, I was thinking about this earlier because I was going to, I started to write my my aisles weekly piece for the hockey writers, which I, which I need to finish. Um, hopefully it's out by the time you're hearing this, but you know, how are they going to respond? Is it the veteran group? And, and it's, you know, we were definitely those people saying like, maybe they're getting a little too old. Maybe this window is closing. Um, They need to try to get younger and they, and they, did, right Wallstrom is now a regular member of the lineup Romanov um, Srogan's a starter so you can include that on a night-to-night basis for you know for every two or three games anyway yeah. Um that he's you know that he's young Dobson Barzell Bavillier they're, like there's a good crop of, of players and for the most part those are the players that are that are playing really well too you know and then there's kind of that slightly older group in Lee and Nelson and so on um but like is it the veteran presence that they go into this game against the Calgary Flames and the Rangers? And we can kind of lump these two together a little bit too, just to for ease just because they were both very similar games and um, and how they came back and all that. But do you think it's that veteran group? I mean, like they've been together a long time too, right? So even if they were a little younger, yeah that probably has something to do with it but do you think it's it's a combination of those two things that's playing the biggest role in all this
1: yeah i think it's you know i think it's a good mix of both the veteran group and and the injection of the youth right the the veteran group is there to not only lead the way on the ice but also on the bench and in the locker room where you know Anders Lee or or Brock Nelson Josh Bailey when they're down two goals in the third, uh, going into the third period, and in the locker room, they turn around saying, "Hey, don't get too low, right? It's just two goals. We could do that in 20 minutes. It's not a big deal, right? We we can we can we're still in it. We can climb back here. And you have you know the Romanovs and and the Dobsons and the Barzels and the Bavilliers who have the foot speed and the uh, and the and the stamina and and the um the cardio to continue playing at that high level, you know." For, uh, 55 minutes into a game where, you, you know, it, it's coming down to the wire. You need to you get a game tying goal or, or whatnot. So um, it's definitely a good mix of both. And it's, a, you know, again, a veteran group who's been together for a while, who kind of knows like where each other's going to be. And, you know, they've really bought into the system. But more importantly, they have bought into each other because they, you know, they really want to see this through. And that's why you saw guys like Kyle Palmieri extend for four years um, you know, Anders Lee, seven years. Brock Nelson, um, oh, he signed a little while ago. But, I mean, Matthew Barzell just signed for eight years. Adam Pellick just signed for, you know, eight years. He's got seven years left. Ryan Pollock is on the first year of his eight-year contract. So, you know, these guys all want to do this together. They want to be together, and, and they're just buying into the system, into each other. And I think it's just they have a good mix of both the youth and the veterans right now, um, which is something that you've been we, or we've been wanting to see for a while. Um, it's good to see Wallstrom in the lineup as much as he is. His recent deployment is you know not that great, which we'll talk about. but um, you know there's there's definitely something going on for with the Islanders right now in, in, in a good way. Um, stinkers are gonna happen, right? The, uh, the three nothing losses is, is bound to come right here and there. As long as you limit it to here and there, it's how you respond and they have friggin responded.
0: Yeah, I think what we were talking about early in the season and what I was keeping an eye out for was them giving up on each other. Even when they're down two goals or whatever the case is. Um, or even just long losing streaks. Sometimes you're going to lose three or four games in January. Right. That's not ideal. Um, but if you're in a good enough position, it's just something you can bounce back from. But, you know, we're seeing them Play for one another. There was, you know, a couple of really great articles. Um, Kurz, Pantorno, Rosner. A lot of these guys got, you know, very similar quotes from them, just believing in one another that they can do it, and and kind of pull together no matter what. I think it it definitely speaks to the veterans. It definitely speaks to that they've been a group for a long time, and even when they're going through adversity, I think they've been going together for long enough that they're they're not going to give up on one another. And that's the mark of a good team, I think, frankly. And that's how you can come back against the Calgary Flames who are in the midst of a losing streak, but that's an easy letdown game. That's an easy game to go into and look at that team and not take them as seriously as you should have. And frankly, they kind of went into that and they didn't play very well, right? They, They did have to come back. I think looking at both of those games, um, You know, like against the Rangers, just because you know recency bias is just like a little—it's a little more fresh, just because that I I can't believe those games are back to back. That was a little insane. But yeah, the Islanders looked like shit. I think (laughs) for stretches, like you're not seeing them play 60 minutes, and it was those felt like games that I would have normally turned off. If the other team scored one more goal, I would have just turned it off. Right. But they, the Islanders are—they're getting back into it. Some things the The penalty kill is coming back down to earth a little bit, but the power play is working. You know, like they're they're finding different ways to win. All these games, you are seeing the depth kind of shine through. Dobson scoring that overtime goal, Um, you know, but everyone's contributing. As you know, we we're probably just gonna beat that into the ground a little bit. But like thinking about Palmieri getting five goals in early November. He didn't have he didn't have five goals till December last year. Right. The Islanders didn't even have this many wins until December last year. Right. So you're you you're just looking at a team that, that's kind of been able to put it together. I worry about the consist inconsistencies. I I do want to touch on that a little bit later. I, I worry about how those games started, like how far out of hand do the games get? This is now the third one, right? Like they've they've been an amazing third period team. Even second period, but re- uh, primarily third period team where they've scored. Is it twenty six goals now? Twenty five goals leads the yeah. league in in third period goals.
1: It's like twenty six to eleven or something like that.
0: It's cra- yeah, they're outscoring opponents. That's that's crazy. That's really good. You, you you like that, but I I don't know. There's something about like there, eventually it's going to get out of hand. Eventually you're not going to be able to do it. Is right. you know there's preparation meets opportunity is is luck, right? And that's only going to happen so many times where you present with an opportunity and you're prepared to do it. On back-to-back nights, that's nuts, right? And right. you let I, in a lot of goals. It's not like a two-goal comeback, right? They're, they have to score right. four goals a game? Like, that's... Well, yeah, my, that... I mean, identical games. Like, that's crazy to me.
1: I, I was pre- prepared to come into this show tonight and to ask you this question specifically, like it's, it's great to see the comebacks, like going down to two goals into the third period. And, you know, it not once, not twice, but three times. Is it four at this point that they've come back and won these games? It's great that they're able to do that, but is it sustainable? Can they continue to play this way, come from behind and win in the third period?
0: I think they're learning a lot of lessons in a short period of time. That's what I'm hoping for anyway. No, it's not sustainable. But if they're learning that they can overcome anything, they're never out of a game moving forward. And I think that, that there's definitely something valuable there, but it's not... You You can't rely on that. That that cannot right. be your bread and butter. You, you need to just go in and you know, like the Coyotes, I, I just want to see them annihilate the Coyotes. Right. Full 60 minutes, no holds barred. I, w- I don't care if it's a two nothing game, right? The goalie can stand on their head and, and, and do it. But that, you know, at the end of the game, I want to hear Butch say, if it wasn't for that goalie, it would have been nine nothing, right? That's That's the kind of performance they need to do, you know, against the Arizona Coyotes and like take care of business. The the flames and the Rangers are, are no joke, even despite, you know, they're both teams, both of those teams, recent struggles. There's still no yeah. joke. The Rangers looked really good, right? They got beat. There's some right. power play goals and the owners playing a little bit desperate, which God, years ago you would have killed for some desperation on this team and some energy. It just always looks so flat. So it's good to see that they just kind of always need to, they need to start the game like they're behind. They need to pretend they are playing with a handicap. They they are just they're not starting like they mean to continue, as an old boss of mine used to say. And they they just need to do that because eventually it'll run out. That luck will run out. And right, the thing is they're not relying. I think they have really decent shooting percentage, but I keep going back to PDO, and I, I wrote about this uh, over the weekend, even after the the Detroit loss, that. Luckily it's not the shooting percentage that they're relying on. They're really heavily relying on the save percentage end of things. But that's the reliable part. Soroka's not just gonna fall apart. Rolamo's not gonna fall apart. A shoot your shooting percentage can just die. You can just hit nothing for a while. You know, that that's it's entirely possible. A lot, I mean, a lot of guys are that, that have considerable points. I mean, Andre Lee's shooting twenty percent, that's not sustainable. Palmieri's 16%. Um, and uh, they're just looking at guys with like five, five or more goals or four or more goals. Wallstrom's at almost 14%, Barise's at almost at 12%. So like that's not necessarily sustainable outside of the fact that so many players are well over 10%. And okay, so a couple guys can go cold as long as not everybody at once goes cold. Right. Um, but you know, to me, the way that I'm reading it is that the 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 save percentage and the goalies are really carrying the quote luck part of it. And I think there's, you know, and I I also wrote about this. So during, was it the St. Louis game where Dobson knocks that puck out of midair? It could have been, it was, yeah, I think it was against the St. Louis game. He, he, he knocks the puck out of midair on the blue line or on the power play as as somebody was coming out of the box and O'Reilly was trying to get the puck to him. And, Dobson's in no man's land, and he even said as much. Um, and they're they're playing high risk, high reward hockey, and yeah. they happen to be getting rewarded for it for taking those risks. That's not sustainable either. That's kind of that's part of the problem to me. That they're sometimes they're just getting beat and they need to tighten up. Other times they they're just playing high risk, high reward. And because they're racking up the wins, it's easier to be like, "Oh well, something's working," and they're coming back and they're doing this stuff. It, it makes it complicated. You kind of want to see them go on a on a run of co- a little bit more dominant games where they're they're clearly winning. And it was kind of earlier in that that winning streak, right? Chicago right. and so forth, where they were going in and just winning hockey games.
1: The the thing is to right and and at the risk of making this sound pessimistic, we promise we're optimistic about this team right now, and we will continue to talk about some optimism moving forward. But you know the 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 wins that were most impressive were against those you know highly touted teams in the Avalanche, the um uh the the Rangers and and the Flames. Right? Those are aren't necessarily teams right now though that are uh succeeding. Right, they're they're going through their own little uh, slides in in their own respects, and you know it's still fairly early. You know it's about to be mid November almost, which is crazy to me. Um, but those teams you anticipate turning things around, right? The next time the the Islanders see the uh, the Colorado Avalanche, I don't know if you can anticipate them you know falling apart like that again. You know, are they going to get healthy and have uh Valnetchusen and Gabriel Landeskog back? Are the Flames going to have uh Jonathan Huberto. I think they I don't I think he was playing against the the uh the Islanders the other night, but you know, he yeah. was out I think last night and you know, so are, are the 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 flames going to just figure out you know whatever it is that's that's going on with them? Because I don't I don't even think Jonathan Huberdeau, even though he was playing, is playing that well right now. So,
0: oh no, he, he's he's playing way too slow. But I think you can look at some of those other games: three nothing win against the Rangers, six two against Carolina. Yeah, they played a high powered team in Colorado. I, I think that's that's fine. You also, as the Islanders, have some control of that, right? You're not worried about a Colorado collapse so much as. You have to control the tempo of that game. You can't let them right, get just four goals to one. You have to go in there and control that a little bit more. Which so is which
1: is my point. You 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 don't want to go into the third period still being down two goals, right? That the sustainability of playing from behind and winning in the third period that's that's not something that you should be priding yourself on and, and looking looking to do, right? Because teams like the Avalanche eventually down the line are going to figure out how to close that door. The Flames are going to figure out how to shut that door. Right. Those are those are the games that you're if you're going to be a contender, you need to win. Um and you can't consistently do that by playing from behind. NASA Min Hockey is brought to you by DraftKings. NFL Sundays are only getting better and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and points totals. You know I'm going to bet that Zach Wilson's going to throw two touchdowns. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details.
0: I want to go into... um, Because we're getting into some of the the nitty-gritty here. So I want to go... um, into a segment that I'm going to call three up, three down. And I want to go over kind of six items um, in, in no particular order. And I, and I want to start with what I have as number two here, but just because you mentioned it before in Oliver Wallstrom, who started on the fourth line against the Rangers. Again, a little bit of recency bias, but he hasn't exactly been noticeable lately. He gets what some are calling a kick in the pants. Wanted to get your your opinion on that
1: you know it's funny because like i said i said at the beginning of the year you could see the parallels between how noah dobson's breakout year went with how oliver walsham's breakout year could go and i wonder if that's starting to happen right it's november now and And, um, you know, Wallstrom's getting the opportunities to succeed. um, But is he necessarily? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. You're seeing the mistakes happen here and there. Um, He gets demoted to the fourth line against the New York Rangers. You wonder if that healthy scratch is coming, right? Right now you're looking at a player who just needs to slow everything down around him, right? I think he's trying to think too fast because he's trying to maybe keep up with a line mate who is a bit too fast for him. Um, and, and maybe gripping the stick a little bit too tight and not, um, you know, completely thinking through his positioning on the ice. And, and, um, you know, Lambert did make the combat that, you know, he's doing the little things right. And, and the small details are all, all good and fine. Um, but there is work to be done. <sighs> you are just waiting for him to put it all together. And, you know, I wonder if if that same blueprint for Dobson and how his breakout year happened will happen for Wallstrom because it, right now it's almost like he's following in those footsteps. And, and uh, you know, if he just takes a game or two and, and really, you know, whether it's from the bench or, you know, from the press box, observes, um you know, uh, the game and really takes it in and then gets back on the ice the next day or, 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 or two, you know, whether it's on the top line or not you you might see you know a guy like him evolve the way Noah Dobson did i just i see those parallels and i wonder if it could happen but he just he does need to work on you know making sure he's he's in the right place at the right time and, and not um you know finding himself out of place and behind the eight ball there because you know that that's what's been holding him back from succeeding in the in the top 6 he's he's just hasn't been positionally right and um, I think that's what's hurting him the most.
0: He does have seven points in 13 games, and he's a he plus does. six, right? Just looking yeah. at, like, not uh, anything underlying. And he's got 29 shots. I think the quality of those shots could be argued a lot from the outside. Yeah. Hibben um, Palmieri, as righties, often put themselves way too wide on the left wing. It's it's always a curious decision. I think I even tweeted that the other night from our account. Yeah, you did. I, I just I don't understand, and they're they're on two on ones or three on twos with Barzell and they're way towards the dot and that's a really weird yeah. angle and I don't I don't understand it. And that's he what also, I mean by
1: positional. You know that's why he's, he's he's not been in the right spot when he needs to be.
0: Yeah, he's also rushing the puck, that too. He's he's forcing plays. He's making bad play bad passes. I mean, frankly, Barzell does this on a regular basis and it's very frustrating for a, a player of his skill level to just force the puck when he doesn't need to, frankly, the entire team, it's, it's part of those mistakes. Um, one of these other things is just like the, or on the, on the downside of things is the inconsistencies. Sometimes those passes are great. And sometimes you're like, that was a, a ban, age pass. That was a peewee level mistake. Like, I don't, I don't understand what you're thinking. You're just like forcing this play. And, and Walsham did it against the Rangers specifically at the, um, at the opposing blue line and the Rangers are way too quick. A lot of teams are way too quick. The devils who you, who you cover really close to like, they're going to eat the youngers alive on a regular basis this season. Um, and if it goes the way, you know, they're both kind of like two, three in the standings right now in the, in the division. But if it's a wild card or whatever the case is in the, in the playoffs, this is, you know, we're not even a quarter way through the season yet, but and that's how it shakes out. Like in a seven game series, I think I take the aisles, but like the the devils are going to give them uh, quite the scare. You know, yeah. I, I think that's really tough. So those little mistakes, you know, I've seen. I saw Walsh from do it last night and a few times, and you are like, dude, just like, you know. And Lambert said just more of like a north south game, which is why he started on the fourth line. You want to see that from like the whole team. Nelson did it a couple times, just inconsistent play. Like I, you know, and you just I hear Butch. On the call, he does this all the time. Just get that puck deep. Especially like late in the game, you have a lead or whatever. You're just trying to play it safe. Like they try to make like one extra pass. You're like Barzell's done this too. Like yeah, just put the puck in the zone. You're gonna get off anyway. Like you're you're too tired to make a play, and that might be part of it. It's late in the shift. They're you know they're just making a mistake, and that happens all the time. You're just not enough oxygen. You know, making a bad decision, but too many times and it's like very inconsistent and it, it leads to a lot of mistakes for the team.
1: Yeah. The the, the, the one major difference between how the Islanders play and how the, the Devils play, they're both playing fast pace right now. Um, however, the Devils do trump the Islanders in foot speed uh, per skater. And the thing about the Devils is they'll, they'll you know, carry the puck into the zone um, and be able to find that space to set up and, and cycle the puck um, whether it is skating it over the blue line or dumping and chasing and winning those puck battles along the board uh, Islanders don't necessarily cycle the puck too much. And I think that's the major difference. Um, something that I think that, you know, cause the, I've, I've noticed that the Islanders are still scoring decently well off the rush, right? You saw the, the, the new formation of that, that uh, Lee Nelson, Barzell line and, you know, a rush comes via Barzell and, uh, Nelson puts a shot on on and uh, I believe it was actually in the Ranger game, right? Shisterkin makes a save. And um what do you know who's there to clean up the the garbage? It's Sanders Lee. So that that's the major difference there. And I think that's why it, the the devil system actually works a little bit better for uh, a guy like uh, for instance, one of their young guys, Fabian Zetterland, who's in in the lineup. He, he's able to, you know, um, play at that foot speed, but also set up in the zone and, and he's fast enough and skilled enough to be, to be able to cycle the puck, like, you know, like the devils do. Um, I would like to see the Islanders do a little bit more of that. You know, I, I feel like they would benefit from more rotation uh, within the offensive zone. I, I just, I don't feel, and, and look, they're scoring goals and then it's all great and they're scoring off the rush and you know, you can't take away from that, but they need to be able to do or, or score and, and, and produce in more than one way. Um, and I think that's that's something that they definitely are lacking, right? There's there's a consistent shuffling of the um, of the deck chairs with the five skaters on the ice, whether it's with the defensemen and the forwards. You know, you have three down uh, low with the forwards and two up on the point, but the defensemen are, are cycling with the forwards down and 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 uh, uh, forwards coming up to the blue line, and you know, it's just really pulling all the defenders out of place. Um, and really, just making everybody turn their head in, in kind of confusion.
0: Um, I mean, more shots and things would also help the Islanders' offense as they set up true. in the zone too. Just because you know, and Butch pointed this out last night, it, those shots get, as you just said, gets the defenders and the other team turning their head towards the goal, and you wind up losing players, right? Right. And right. I think that's and that might be you know part of this, and not being only really being able to score off the rush. Although the last couple of games they've done a lot better with. You know, that obviously the Dobson goal, Pelik scored a goal. Um, they, they they are finding more opportunities to score while sustaining some offensive zone pressure. But that might have to do with our third thing here, which is the poor power play so far for the most part. Again, outside of the last game or so, where they, you know, overtime goal against the Calgary Flames and then two of their four goals against the Rangers. Um and they've taken a ton of penalties. That St. Louis game was ab- abysmal. The Detroit game, the officiating was terrible. But the Islanders put themselves in a bad position where you notice that type of thing. This really should just say special teams and taking penalties, um, but or power play and uh, and taking penalties and uh, lack of discipline is probably inconsistency in, in discipline in in this section. But that might be why they're struggling on the power play, is that they yeah. they don't have that chemistry yet. But you know, I I think I'm trying you know trying to think through this in real time a little bit. You know, Lambert wants Wallstrom to play more of a north south game, and that's the way that the rest of the team is playing. That's not going to allow you time to set up and and set up some pressure, right? That that's going to create more a lot more rush opportunities, and that might just be Lambert's style. He wants, he's, you know, Romanov is jumping into play. That, that Mayfield goal where he was like, what game was that? Where Barzell found him and he, Mayfield was like below that was the a Colorado hand. game, the Colorado game. It, he's just yeah. like below the hash marks and, and yeah, on the side of the crease on the, on the right side, like the hell's he doing there? Uh, even well, Uh right. You know, like, I, I think that's where it's just, a, it's a little bit different and we have to get used to that. They could stand to cycle more. I, I don't disagree. Um, but maybe that's just the style, and, and you're not going to as much of much of that. And that's the high-risk high-reward. Yeah, I rush, think you're right. Off the rush, um, you can score a goal, but if you take a shot and miss the net, and you're on your offside or something like that, something that I wish the Islanders would do a little bit less, frankly, because they're taking shots, and just, it rings it around the boards. Defense can't get there. as like a free clear for the other team. Got to get better. Just just you have to hit the net or at least square, you know, get square to the net and it hits the glass, at least behind the net. You make them go 200 feet to use a hockey cliche, but it allows the other team to kind of get out of the zone and that, you know, some of those mistakes add up and we've seen it, right? They've had to come back in a bunch of games um, or at least making, even if they're not down and they're just back and forth, third periods or something like got to gotta be able to figure that out or the rest of the game um you know playing that full 60 minutes with that focus like you could see it's very clear what they're able to do when they're focused and and they get together you just have to start like that now you don't want to have a collapse you don't want to start too strong and not be able to you know um maintain that throughout the game but like the other way is just as as not sustainable so you have to find that balance and be able to you know, tighten up on defense, and that was going to be one of my downs too. Like overall, the defense doesn't look great. They're 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 getting beat last night watching that range again. I don't know if you noticed this. They got beat to the outside, Pelik, and Romanov. So maybe it wasn't any any one side in particular, but I felt like I noticed on the near side, uh, maybe in the second period, that they were just getting beat on the right side. Exactly like, you know, Charles last season, like they were just exploiting something on the Islanders. And it, it's happened a couple times where there's just like speedy forwards and they're able to just very easily get around the the defenseman. Keandre Miller did it. if I'm not mistaken. In the first game of the season against the Rangers, three, nothing win against the Islanders where he just zipped right around the defense. Like no one touched him. Yeah. So it's, trying to they they do as a uh, maybe as a fourth thing but maybe part of that inconsistency because sometimes it is really good but they need to tighten up like they it just can't be falling behind this far
1: yeah I, i i i do think though you're first i want to say you're right but part of that too you you do have to attribute to the fact that like you know your example against the rangers i mean they're such a fast team right keandre miller so so fast on his skates uh Jad, like that that whole team is just a really fast team so do we do have to credit some of those skaters but you're you're right there is something to be said about how often they're getting beat um maybe that has to do a little bit with positioning you know it's a new system and and you know the the goal is to push the puck up the ice and in order to do that maybe you have to cheat a little bit and um you know back right back to the high risk high reward like you said like if they're doing that, then obviously they're going to uh, maybe, maybe give, be giving up a couple chances against, um, which is, you know, why we said, you know, they, they solidified two of the best goaltenders uh, or, or, or the best goaltending tandem in the NHL. So, um, you know, it could be a systems thing. I, I do think, though, Adam Pellick himself hasn't been very Adam Pellick like this year.
0: The, that pairing, Pulak Pellick, has not been as strong. Forget about on the offensive side of the puck, right? But but just in general, no, they're not as defensively dominant as as they have been. You, you're seeing some moments where it. Well, I'll say this: they're definitely the best pair in in the defensive zone, but it's not saying a whole lot in when you compare what they're what we're used to seeing out of them, right? And it might be you know like there's a couple of opportunities. Some of the forwards are are flying the zone pretty early and they're kind of guessing it happened with, uh, Wallstrom tried to get the puck to Barzell the other night, dude, he was at the other blue line and he guessed that the puck would, you know, come out and someone dove on the other team and, and blocked it. But, um, so no, no real, no harm, no foul. The puck got out of the zone one way or another, but again, some of that high risk, high reward, like, they're not as focused in their own end. And, and maybe the defense ultimately can't handle it when it was a five-person unit in their own zone and you had the, the defense could handle that. I think it's a little bit harder when they're isolating. They've also made some bad mistakes. They've they've also been like some big miscommunications. It happened last night. Two players or the night before. Two players went to one player. It was against Calgary. Right. They were just like wide open. Player right. was just backland or whatever in front of the net. Just that's that can't happen. Like, again, that's yeah. like some peewee level mistakes where everyone fell in love with the puck, as my old coach used to say. And that was it. You, you know, you just left somebody open, like two or three guys just go to the puck with one player on the opposing team. Yeah, you have two players open. And it was easy, you know, like Calgary just exploited that, like, you know, three times. For the for the most part, so I always have to figure that out. I do want to get into some positives. We have a couple more segments here. We're we're really we're rolling through these things, I'm trying we to keep are. it to uh, ten minutes a pop here because we, we can be verbose, <laughs> which is a fancy word for we talk too much. We talk this a lot. A, this is a podcast, though, so it's part of it. But you have to limit it. It's very confusing. You <laughs> yeah. wouldn't. You just wouldn't understand. I'm just kidding. We have to do it the right amount. We have to have yeah, right that sweet spot. It's yeah. it's difficult. <laughs> um, so we did we did three down. Let's do three up. Um, the Islanders penalty kill, for the most part, I, you know, outside of maybe the last two games um, against teams with a lot of offense, um, it's it's been really good, and I think it's the mark of a of a good team, and I think it shows that the team still has that defensive structure and that they still can rely on one another and that it's still a defense first team. I think that that proves that. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. It's it's just a matter of having, you know, good positioning on, on, and that's, that's one area where their positioning has been really good. Um, clogging lanes, blocking shots, having good sticks and, and being aggressive. And that's one of the things that, uh, that that's the word really that, 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 um, Lane Lambert has stressed for this team to be is aggressive. So although you're down a skater, um, you're pressuring that puck at all times. You know whoever has the puck on their stick, you're pressuring it and you're trying to uh, take it from take it away from the the offender and and uh, dump it down the ice. So that that's really the, the the crux of it right there is that they're just doing mechanically everything they're supposed to be doing when killing a penalty, and it starts with uh, you know just being really aggressive to clogging the lanes and. Um, you know making sure that you have you, you get good sticks on, on sticks and not take penalties you know the the hooks this season have just been very loosely called like you know there's been plenty of plenty of hooking calls I haven't loved or slashing calls I haven't loved um, but they're doing a good job of, of staying disciplined in that area uh, while down a man and, and not going down two so um, yeah they've been they've been really good and you know obviously they weren't gonna kill them all but um, they've killed a lot of them which is you know a lot more than we would have thought you know <laughs> last year I would say, I don't know what like at this point, point, fifty percent of those those goals go in. <laughs> yeah, or or it's... those those power plays go, you know, become goals really.
0: Yeah, they they definitely felt like they gave up a little bit and by yeah. by the time they were taking penalties, they felt like they were out of it, and it didn't help that they were down a down a player at that point. I do also want to say on the PK front, they're getting good clears, and that's really what's helping. They're they're getting. Um they're getting their, their stick on the puck and, and they're they're finding a way to get out of the zone and, right. and that's been really good. You know, Parise Clutterbuck, who was out last game, um and, and had Sashnikov starting on the first line. We didn't even touch on that. Um no, we did not. A, a, a curious choice for sure. And then it obviously didn't last very long, but um you could tell he didn't play he hasn't played in in a while. He he Sashnikov looked a little rough. Definitely um Wait, that wasn't Kiefer Bellows. That wasn't Kiefer Bellows. Sorry, I had to do it. that was like, yeah, it was like three episodes ago, right? <laughs> um, you know, so Sasha Kup doesn't even play that much. I do want to say, really, really quickly, but you know, because just because we, we went ahead and I had it up and then it, uh, and I took it down, Wallstrom's played the third least on this team as far as timeline ice is concerned per game, he's at. 12 minutes just over 12 minutes the only two players that have played less are Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck now yeah. Sezikis plays on the penalty kill but Walsham doesn't play on the power play right on either unit so far this season or certainly not in the last few number of games um, Peugeot has kind of taken over um, I think even on the first unit he was out there maybe that some of it's been switching around so it's, it's been hard to keep track of but um, some personnel changes there, but n- not too many. Just really absent of of bolstrom I just wanted to quickly point that out before I forgot. Um, it's the second up got to be Ilya Sorokin. Uh, you, you you talked about him being better than Shosturkin. I'm here for that conversation. Um, I think they both have a lot to prove. Sorokin's played a considerably less games, maybe twenty or thirty less games than than well. Shisterkin. Um so I think Stroken has a little bit more just like, hey, can can you do it? I think two full seasons pretty much puts in that conversation. Um so he's he's well on his way. Um I do also want to point out, and you know, I'll let you I'll let you kind of get your two thoughts, your two cents in here. Shisterkin hasn't played well against the Islanders. He's one seven and one. And like the an one game...
1: save percentage
0: and the one game he won was when the honors like were down with COVID and had like Andy Andrew off or whatever. Yeah. Um, so there might be some specific bias, not just eye on the Ranger bias, but you're only seeing him pl- not play very well at Sorokin for the most part. I'll play him in those games. I don't want that to cloud anything. I, I want to look at like, I think that's important that when they play head to head Sorokin and his team play, really well, although Vorlamov uh was, was in last night and who's had a hell of a, a streak against the Rangers and had his shutout streak snapped last night at 250 minutes or something ridiculous like that, four games and plus. Yep. Um so I don't want that to cloud anything. Right? They Shisterkin didn't play against the, the Anders, that three nothing loss. It was Halak. And then Sorokin didn't play this time around. Right. They, and they Vorlamov, haven't played right?
1: each other yet.
0: Well, it's, yeah, it's not always, it's not always that matchup that you're, I think and, a, and unfortunately
1: for, for some reason or another, the Islanders and the Rangers only play one more time the rest of the season. It's friggin' November 9th. That's a crime.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think that that's the scheduling is definitely interesting. I, I think when you're playing every team in the league, at least twice once at home and one on the road, that's a lot of games. So you it used to be like, what, six games in your division, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I want to say it was eight, frankly, but it, maybe it wasn't quite that high, but it was a lot of games, like four or six games. Three games is tough. It does make those games matter a lot. And the fact that they've won two or three, it, you know, when it comes down to it later in the season, that's frankly like, the honest just banking points in general. Right. It's yeah, really they already important. won the season series. Yeah, it's it's really important that they have that uh, as like a tiebreaker kind of thing against a lot of these teams um, in the Eastern Conference. Like, just I don't really care how they're doing it; they're coming back, and I guess that's the moral of all this. Like, who cares how they're getting it done and coming back and all of that? Like, have your struggles later. Like, bank those points, get in a good position by Thanksgiving, and and go with it from there. Like, you're just in a way better position for yourself. Um, mentally, but go. I want to, I want to get your two, your two cents on the Sorokin Shisterkin debate.
1: You know, both all world goaltenders, right? They've, they've proven everything they could have from the outside of the NHL. They come into the NHL and, you know, they're both dominant at this level as well. I think both of their bodies of work, although Igor Shisterkin's is, is a little bit bigger, um, is enough to, to prove that they are legitimate. I would say franchise goaltenders. I I, I know for a fact that uh, Frank Saravalli labeled Ilya Sorokin as a franchise goaltender for the Islanders. Same for Igor Shosturkin. Now, obviously, Shosturkin has that uh, that Vezina to, to hang on to, and, and uh, to, uh, you know that feather in his cap. Um, but you know, I think that although Shosturkin had a monster year last year. There's just something about Sorokin, and and when you watch him, he's got the. I think it's the athleticism, it's the explosiveness. It's just those, you know, Shosturkin. Maybe I want to say mechanically, he's just always positionally sound, and you know, he's um, blocking just enough of the net where you can't see twine, and it makes it really hard for the shooters to score just based on how good he is positionally. Whereas Sorokin does that, but also just has that athleticism to boot. Like he, how many times have we spoken about? Did you see that friggin' Sorokin save? Holy shit! Like, what the hell is this guy drinking? That with with, with you know his Mike's secret stuff. Like, what is he? What what is it about this guy that he's just? He's got these jaw-dropping saves all the time. It's the and it's you know, you you have to attribute it to the athleticism. So um again, I, I think their bodies of work outside the NHL and then what they've done in the NHL are enough to to classify those guys two of the best, if not the best, in the NHL right now. Um, you know, the, the conversation at the moment is Sorokin might be better than Chesterkin. And that's probably I think this, just-
0: this season for sure. Well, I, I think that's I, was I think that's say- safe to say they're both. It's interesting because they're both put in similar positions, where they kind of have these iffy decors at the moment, and kind of solid offense, and they're yeah. being dependent on heavily. Like Shishorkin carried that team to where they were last year, and then but, the yeah. offense, like the defense, was tough. But so they're they're both in very. It's it's a little more apples to apples than any other goalie matchup that you can like com- when you're comparing to goalies in the, in the NHL, because they really both are in, the, in similar positions.
1: Yeah, I just I, it is apples to apples, but at the same time, the orange here is that they don't necessarily have the same style of goaltending. I think. Oh, that, I, th- yeah.
0: I think it's I think it's different. I, I seems a little bit more um, calculated movement and Sorokin is very athletic. And uh, I just yes. two two different styles for sure.
1: Right. So, I mean, listen, there, there's an argument to be made for both sides, but um, you know, like you said, when it comes to at least the rivalry, one seven and one for that Sorokin, Sorokin rises to those occasions and, and there's no there's no denying that's that Shisturkin has done it uh himself in the past, but not against the Islanders, which is arguably his biggest rival.
0: Um, I'll say this and then and then we'll move on. I, I remember early on when Sorokin was when with the Islanders like you know, really, really early in his tenure. It hasn't really been that long, but I remember saying to you on this show, I wish I could find the clip, I didn't obviously I have no idea where it is or what episode. But just saying that I, I wonder if the islanders goaltending coaches would like Sorokin to play a, with a little less athleticism. Because he had a it bat when he first got here, he was all over the place. Yeah. He was really like utilizing that and and kind of relying on that a little too heavily, and now he's even more calm, cool, and collected in in the net. He, he's definitely yeah. better positionally than than he was when he when he first started in the NHL. Again, I recognize he's not played hundred games yet, but when he first started, it was kind of like the equivalent of like Tavares when he first got into the NHL, and he looked like he was skating, and it was like a a mop, just flying all over the place, or just like spaghetti, all like it just. It was not graceful at all. And Sorokin definitely has has changed considerably um, since since joining the islanders, uh, you know, whatever it was, two years ago or so. Um, we've we've touched on this, but I, I definitely want to at least make a mention um, before we move on because I see that you added some some significant notes here. So hopefully we can move past everything pretty quickly. Um, third periods. Definitely not sustainable, but exciting. And,
1: yeah, no,
0: 100%. Yeah, I I think you want to know you can pull that rabbit out of your hat when you need to um, or even pad your lead. But I would not, you know, uh, as not a great hockey mind, I still wouldn't recommend that as a strategy. Um, I don't think that's what they're thinking. Like, oh, we got them right where we want them. I, 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 that is not what's happening. But um, they're building confidence, and at least they can yeah. do it if they need to.
1: Yeah, the negatives of that, like we said earlier, is that you don't want to make it a habit because you can, uh, be it'll become if it becomes a habit, you're going to do it against the wrong teams and they're going to make you they're going to they're going to punish you for it. Um, But in the same breath, they're not allowing themselves to get too low, not allowing themselves to um, take themselves out of the game and find a way to come back and and uh, you know get two points. So it's a it's a sign of a good
0: team. Absolutely. I I'll, I'm going to hand the reins over to you because you, you have okay. some notes here to end the show. um, And I don't know what they mean. And I bet you do. Yeah. So, so I'm going to hand it over.
1: Yeah. So uh, earlier today, the Boston Bruins uh, put Mike Riley on waivers. And, you know, one of the things that I wondered was, you know, does it make sense for maybe the Islanders to make a waiver claim here? He's a left, uh, left shot left-handed defenseman uh, who quite frankly is up for grabs right now and we know that the left side next to Scott Mayfield isn't necessarily um, I want to say claimed right it, it's it's right now in the hands of Sebastian Ajo um, Robin Salo has been you know in and out of that lineup but you know Mike Riley on waivers is that a guy you want to take a shot on he's uh what, what is he 29 years old at, at, at this yeah 29 years old um you know he's not necessarily the the most offensive defenseman which but i mean at this point do do you really need it you know you're not getting much from uh that that bottom pair anyway so um four goals 13 assists last season he's got one assist in 10 games this year um but again you're not picking this guy up to to get you a bunch of points you're just really looking for somebody who could be a steady presence on the blue line doesn't necessarily play in uh much of a different system for the boston bruins is it a good idea to take a, a flyer on mike riley to solidify the defense
0: i'm not sure it it puts the Islanders in a in a position I would that, that you know a, a difficult cap situation right now they have three point six million now it's give or take with Robin Sell up and down and best I know he's recalled again yes um, he is I think you roll with this for a while I, you might regret not doing it but if you're in a good position come February or March. You, you make a different trade if you really need to improve. I I don't think this is you're gonna regret the three million dollars if if it doesn't work out as opposed to like working with a Salo and, and Aho at, at this moment. Neither of which are you know that playing Lambert definitely rolls his defense. But you know, Mayfield and Aho or Salo are definitely getting used in, in only certain situations. And Aho is like invisible in third periods and in certain times of the game. So like, I, I'm not, I, I wonder if that $3 million is worth it to then not have any flexibility. Um, I, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. I know it was, he was definitely somebody you had your eye on in the summer. If I'm not mistaken. You, you definitely yeah. mentioned that, but I don't know for $3 million. I, th- I think we have somebody maybe just as good not with the nhL experience so there definitely is that i don't know if that's worth three million dollars of your cap space to then have a little bit more of a struggle at the deadline to kind of fit people in right i, I i'd kind of i'd rather regret not not bringing him in frankly and and have that space later to make it to make a bigger move if you're gonna spend three million dollars there's better defensemen for that price and for two yeah. years so is, yeah you're, that... you're not just i think you're you're locked up and i i think if it was a different player, Lamarillo would jump on that because I think that is something that he wants, but Salo is going to figure it out and make and make this team. Romanov is going to be more like maybe if Mayfield's not around next season, but like that's a different offseason problem, right? Like I, we're trying to just look at the trade deadline and the and the playoffs like I don't know. I, I think that is a trade that doesn't solve the problem that you have or all that significant of a problem at the moment.
1: Well, not a trade, but a waiver claim. But um, speaking something of speaking of trades, um, listen, way too early to be talking about this. I I know that, but things look good for the Islanders, and uh, right now, second in the division, um, fourth overall in the NHL. We, you know, who who would have thought that this was going to be the way it was? Um, and and the other day. Um, the newly formed Lee, Nelson, and Barzell line, I mean, that line, very short sample size, but from what you saw in that small sample size was greatness, if, if I'm being quite honest, right? You saw three players who, three, three of the Islanders' best players on the same line who just clicked right away. You had your shooter, you had your distributor, and you had your guy to clean up the garbage in front of the net. Um, ideally, the, the kind of line you want to have. Let's say for some reason or another that becomes more consistent. Do you? Is there somebody you have in mind that would be a good acquisition to fill the center role if Matthew Barzell winds up on the wing? Because I have one, um, but before I say mine, I want to know if you if there's anybody that you might have in mind. Um, is this is getting a center the right call? And if so, who?
0: If they're gonna lean into that. As a line, and not just in certain situations, it's a lot like Toronto when it's like you put, um, maybe Nylander, Marner, Matthews, or Tavares, Marner, Matthews, or something like that together on a line, every once in a while. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it, this is definitely way too early. Um, I want to. S- <laughs> I really want to say that Ratu pops off in the AHL and, yeah. and they stick him on the third line, um, kind of move everybody up a little bit. So Peugeot's quote second line center and they kind of move some things around. You wind up having like an extra winger around, you know, even with with the call up and then you don't have that option for a seventh defenseman. So their roster space thing is interesting, like a player, as I said, all summer or everyone said all summer. A player needs to leave the roster to, like, make this actually work. So, I'm not... Like, they could put Sashnikov on waivers, I guess. Like, that's a pretty easy thing. Like, who the hell is going to take that guy? But he's good for the honors as a, as a Clutterbuck replacement. Like, I don't know what the rest of the league looks like as far as, like, that that kind of need. But So, I guess that's a that's a pretty easy solution. Um, but, yeah, I, I would love for Ratu to kind of make his way up and just make, make that choice for Lamorello and the Islanders. Um, I honestly have no idea. I was like not in that headspace. Who are you thinking?
1: Yeah. So as I'm, you know, thinking about the other day, I'm like, this line looks really good. Like maybe there's something there. You know, I wonder if and it's look, it's not Lamorello style to, you know, in, in the midst of a, of a, of a run to the playoffs and well into the playoffs to call up a guy, uh, who's a rookie and doesn't really have much NHL experience, right? So you wonder if if Ratu does get that call yet. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. If he does, that's great. Um, but if he doesn't and and Lou Lamorello wants to make a move at the deadline, um, I'm looking at the Canucks again, right? And the Canucks are actually, as we're recording this, losing once again 3-0, um, just not playing well at all. Forget about JT Miller. That is not where I'm going with this. Don't even think about Elias Pettersson because that's not where I'm going with this either. I'm thinking of contract year Bo Horvat, who tell me that is not the typical Lou Lamorella move to do where he goes out and he buys another team's captain. Um, A leader in the room, somebody who would probably fit in well with the Islander mold, um, still fairly young and 12 goals in 13 games right now.
0: That's ridiculous. I did not know he's playing quite that well. Um, what's his cap? I I haven't thought about outside of like the Vancouver Canucks suck. I, I haven't really thought of that. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's twenty seven. It's five and a half million dollars. You got to move some money around. I think that's part of the problem. Again, it's like the only thing I'm going to point out for the most part is sure. that they like how, um, and then what does it cost to get them? Uh, assets wise, because he's 27 years old, he's like in in his prime. He turns 28 during this season, so he's got a, maybe you know three or four years left before you start having a little bit of concern. So if you can buy that time in a six year deal, I, I don't think that's terrible. After you know resigning him after the season, five and a half million dollars. I don't know. I don't know where you find it. I think that's a great idea. I mean, like I, that definitely. I guess I don't want to have this conversation necessarily because we just stopped. Like it's 14 games and some exhibition games in camp away from us just dealing with this all summer. I understand having that line together is this is, it's a good exercise to at least be like that line works. Why would you not do that? Why would you not, um, Put them together more more often. I think it's a good tool, something that you can have in your back pocket. You're, you're seeing the Islanders have success though, just up and down the lineup. If it dries up and you need to put that, you're finding yourself. If you're Lambert and you're finding yourself putting that line together more and more, yeah, you make a big you make a call upstairs and say, we, we need something here. We need to, we need to figure that out. You're scoring three and a half goals a game. Now is really not the time. I I, ke- I keep this going until you have to make that move, um, or it's closer to the deadline. Personally, I don't think it's a bad idea. I just don't. know. Now is not the time. But as a trade sure. deadline thing, maybe. Tell but tell me
1: that a guy like Bo Horvat is not your typical Lou Lamarella move.
0: I don't know, I don't know about typical. I, I mean I think he's um it's it'd be one of the younger players that he's been able to bring on the team. Um it's another UFA. Um they would need to be like either a sign and trade or something going on where he like he's right, signed, well, no, like, I, like I also I'm, mean
1: like a captain of a team. He he fits the mold, plays the island their way, yada yada, like that kind of that kind of guy.
0: Glue guy. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I don't know what's going on in Vancouver. Like, if he's not carrying the team right now, does Lamarola want to bring that? I mean, and someone like uh, Bo Horvat would thrive in a new environment even more, right? And and he's, you know, carrying the team. Someone's got to score, even if they're playing like shit. Like, somebody's going to score the goals. So at least he's the one doing it and he's leading by example. And if the rest of the team isn't following him, it's a different problem. But yeah, it, it would definitely work i just i do want to say i remember god i remember playing a few seasons of nhl and i haven't played this in like so many years so maybe how long has he been in the league six years
1: um i think it's been a little bit longer than that but so 2005
0: so it's funny 2014-15 i remember playing gm mode in like nhl 2012 or 13 and playing a few seasons. And I remember Bo Horvat continually coming up in the draft. Like every time I restarted (laughs) or something like that, you just play long enough. And like, there's real players and juniors that like eventually come, come to fruition. Sure. Uh, It runs out and eventually you just get like no name players. They just go back into like the 1918 thing. And it's like Bo Jack Carpenter or like some, like just weird. (laughs) Weird names. They all like sound like old timey boxers or something. Yeah. Like yeah. I remember Bo Bo Horvat um coming up in, in that all the time and he had like a decent thing. I always had to draft him. So it'd be interesting for the Islanders to to get him. Yeah um yeah, I mean he's on pace for his best his best year by far. He had thirty one goals last year. He has twelve and thirteen games. He had to go on a serious cold streak to not continue that. Right. Um, yeah I mean of course he's gonna make this team better I don't that that goes without saying as far as a typical lamarola move yeah he's a leader I mean I think it's you know bringing that kind of thing in there and plus yeah. uh some very obvious goal scoring yeah I mean it's an it seems obvious outside of the logistics which is like <laughs> makes, <laughs> right like oh yeah that makes a total sense outside of actually making it happen um. Which you know leads me to, no, it doesn't work. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, definitely way too early. Would love to see it. I mean, if you're gonna go for it and you're gonna try to win a cup this year, something's gonna happen, right? And he, and is a midseason guy, so I don't put it past him.
1: Um. All right. So now I want to get into last week that we did trick or treat. Uh. This week it is not Halloween themed, so I just uh, wanted to do a little bit of uh, buy or sell to end the show. And, uh, we'll you know, it. yeah, a little, a little uh, new segment we're going to do here on NHP. But uh, buy or sell. Noah Dobson at this time is in the top 10 in points among defensemen at ninth overall. By the end of the season, he'll be in the Norris conversation. Are you buying or are you
0: selling? I- I'm going to bet on him. I'm going to I'm going to buy on that. Um, if if only because I think he'll get no worse votes. I don't know about the whole conversation. I don't know about actual voting at the end of the day. I think the conversation is fair considering how how he's played. He's not very strong on the defense defensive side of the puck, but either is Adam Fox necessarily. And I see. I do see. I think Adam Fox is better. I don't want to confuse anyone here, but there are a lot of similarities between their games and the way that Dobson's kind of stepped up um, really all season. Um, I'll I'll buy on that.
1: Yeah, I'm going to buy on that too. Um, You know, he's got four goals to this point, and two of them have come as game winners in overtime. So um, he's not only doing it when, uh, you know, he's he's not only doing it in regulation, but he's doing it when it matters most and and, um, in in clutch moments. So um, I'm going to buy on Noah Dobson. Uh, as a, a in the Norris conversation by the end of the season, um, okay. Matthew Barzell will finish the season with 20 goals. Currently has none, but he'll finish with 20. Are you buying or are you selling?
0: Selling. Fifteen. He's he's gonna have a, an absolute ridiculous amount of assists. He's gonna have 70 assists. But like, <laughs> I I think he's I think he, he's gonna be a point per game player. I think, but it's gonna be like. Thirteen goals and whatever the rest of that in, in assists is uh, not a not a math guy. Um, let's see, thirteen goals, uh, night nice, a nice sixty nine assists, um, easy to remember. So yeah, I think it would be thirteen and sixty nine for a clean eighty two points at the end of the season for Mister Barzell. Yeah, I think um,
1: I think it's going to be tough to reach twenty goals uh, with the rate that he's shooting at two point seven shots per game. Probably want to see him shoot maybe one or two more pucks per game to say, yeah, at least he's shooting the puck at high volume. Maybe he's just a little bit snake bitten right now. Uh, So you know, maybe he he'll you know start to find the back of the net a little bit more. But he's not currently shooting as much as he could be shooting uh, at two point seven shots per game. You'd like to see him at maybe three. Three and a half, uh, but he is not reaching that at this time. So who knows? Maybe he'll, uh, you know, reach an uptick at some point. But uh, at this time, no, not uh, not buying on Matthew Barzell scoring 20 goals. I can see 15, 15 to 17 sounds like the right, right spot. So
0: I'm going to stick with 13,
1: 13.
0: Yeah, I I originally said 15. I I think it'd be 13. I'm trying to think of some like weird number. 15 is like too clean. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like 13 goals. I think he hits, I do think he hits a point per game, but
1: um. yeah, I think, I think he'll have something like, uh, you know, he's on pace for, I think, 88, 88 assists. I don't think he'll 88, but, um, I think he'll have, you know, 75 for sure. Um, and last buy or sell here, we have the Islanders currently have three players playing at a point per game pace or better in Brock Nelson, Anders Lee and Matthew Barzell. Um, at season's end, all three will reach the point per game mark. Are you buying or selling?
0: I want I, the way that they're playing right now. I want to buy on that. I wonder if it'll, it'll be those three. I wonder if Lee can keep that up. I think he'll keep the goal scoring, and same thing with um, Nelson to a degree. Like I think they're goal scorers. So I wonder who else might it be in that conversation. It could be these three. Um, I, I'm, I'm I'd buy on that for sure. But I wonder if there's somebody else that might step up and slide one of these players out. I I think. When's the last time the Islanders had three players with over 70 points in a season? When's the last time they had one? Also fair. <laughs> also fair.
1: I think, I think it was uh Barzell had 72 seasons ago. You know, he was going to probably reach um, that 75 point range until the season got shut, shut
0: down. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. I, it, it's almost like the early night like the late nineties rather, where it was like Palfi and everybody else. You know, it was like right. Barzell and everybody else. And then even the last few seasons, it's kind of been like Barzell's got sixty points or this or whatever. Um I would just like to see a, a three or board players get over 70 points, where they have a bunch of guys get 20 goals again. Something that they, you know, they were able to have on a regular basis, five twenty goal scorers, this, this, and this. Like they, they have to get back to uh, a little bit deeper of a lineup, but they definitely have that. I think they'll have a bunch of 15 goal scores for sure. Uh, you know, around that anyway. Um but I'll I'll buy on them.
1: Yeah, I think I'm gonna sell just because I the history doesn't, you know, present itself as uh favorable to this um to this scenario. I, I could see Barzell getting point per game, no problem. Um I could see Nelson reaching close to if not getting it i just have a hard time believing that anders lee uh does hit that point per game mark he's doing it right now which is great but uh like you said earlier in the show he's shooting like 20% or something like that and um you know that's not easy to sustain so uh you know 60 points would be great though from from anders lee i think that that's something that you can uh you can say is a really good season for him uh, in his style of play and and you know who knows I, what was what is Anders Lee's career high while we're we're on that subject i don't know if it actually has ever reached the 70 point mark um i do believe he's had 60 points at, in a season before no his his career high is 56 points uh which he had uh, oh no i'm sorry 50 oh no I'm looking at the wrong column here. He did have 62 points in uh, his 40 goal season, 40 goals, 22 assists uh, in 2017, 18. But then since then, or in and around then it was, uh, you know, mostly 50 point seasons.
0: Yeah, it's been tough. And then he was injured. He's coming back. This is really his first year back uh, at, at full strength. And you can see what he's able to do. So it's, entirely possible the way that they're playing um, if they can keep the goals per game up in general um, and everyone's contributing hopefully they're not doing it in, in quite the uh, heart attack fashion as as they have been the last couple of nights and made a little bit of a habit of kind of falling behind reverse Vancouver Canucksing I suppose because Canucks just like <laughs> fall apart and then can't do anything uh, at least the honors are falling apart and then and putting it back together uh, by the end of the game so yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, next game against the Arizona Coyotes. I think it's time for us to to wrap it up here. Getting a little late, uh, on a Wednesday, weird night. Hopefully, we'll get back to the regular schedule. We're trying to balance uh, James' schedule here, or the Islanders' schedule. Um, I'll eventually have something else to do. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> um, but I think that's the end here. A- any last thoughts or?
1: Uh yeah, tweet out that picture of you at your hockey game the other night, posing as Nick Letty. That was hilarious. posing as
0: Nick Letty. I you said that before, <laughs> um, but I don't. Maybe I maybe I haven't really posted too many pictures. My my girlfriend, I I had some really early games uh, lately, so they've been like six o'clock or like five forty-five. So, um, my girlfriend's been coming to the game, so she snapped a, a picture of me coming off the ice the other night. Um, yeah, some sick green uh, kind of. Hartford Sweet Weller, threads. yeah, Hartford Weller colors, uh, which is pretty cool. And I got the nice lime green socks going. Uh, <laughs> I need, I need to get the matching socks with the actual stripes on it. But um, I gotta say, I got, I gotta get a new stick because it broke. I had it for like a year, oh. and uh, this is a true AX five, maybe it was. I'm sure it's something special. Somebody that's more of a gear nerd would would know. And coming from someone that used a wood stick up until like a year and a half ago, I. I I'm not the guy to ask that. Yeah. Um, but I got the CCM stick and I hate it. The blade oh, yeah. is weird. It's like too long. I like a shorter blade. The, it, yeah. like the way the lie is weird. Like the whole, I'm just not liking it. I I cut it a little shorter because I wanted to like compensate for it to get me to get a little lower. And I I'm just not. I'm just not enjoying it. All my equipment is so old and then I like get a new stick and I'm. I just lose it. I just I can't. Uh, <laughs> I can't handle everything I've had. Every a lot of the things I have I've had for like probably way too long. But um, yeah, I need to find a better stick. I really don't uh, want to spend another hundred bucks though. It's kind of like until this breaks. This is kind of what I'm using.
1: Yeah, I was, I'm surprised to hear you say you didn't like the CCM because I'm a CCM junkie. But uh, you know, to each his own.
0: It's just the blade's too long. So the way that you have to like hold it on the ice is. Is weird. I prefer a little bit of a shorter blade. Um, I feel like it's a little snappier, even on the wood stick. It, it, the blade was it was even though those the the coffee curve was ridiculous. It is my backup stick. I still do have one, but it's still a shorter blade. you can get the puck off your stick easier. This one seems like a little too long, and I'm struggling to like just snap it. It's just not rolling off the stick quite the way that I like. Granted, I play once a week, and I don't touch the puck all that much outside of passing. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the shooter on my team. Um, although I did have a hat trick in my first game, so not a big deal. Um, gets Humble you a friend. free gets a free pint at the bar at the rink. There you Got go. Got a lot of that. Um, also, if we don't get any penalties, I think we get a pitcher. But uh, hey, it's that small, small victories. at the uh, god, this rink is terrible um if anyone so this is a very long island thing if anybody remembers sports plus um there's like way out this is like in the Smithtown area this rink is a lot like that as far as the ice is concerned i remember the ice at sports plus would get so bad first of all it was like adventure land on one side of this building like indoor park arcade it was like an indoor roller coaster that could not have been safe there's no there's no way um, and then the other side, there was, a, there was an ice rink, and very frequently the ice would be very thin on one end to the point where the concrete would come through. And they'd, have, they'd just like put a cone up behind the net. Oh, god! And it was like, I oh, yeah, just don't skate over there. It wasn't even like, Ah, it's a little wet, you know, sometimes it happens to warm out. This is like, No, nah, there's like no ice, it was like a pretty regular occurrence.
1: I, the uh the way you described your rink though, that's not atypical. My rink was the same way. There was, you know, one side was the ice rink, the other side was the you know, this whatever game area where you know there was like rides and stuff as well over there too. So Where did you not play? A, not atypical. I played in uh uh Woodbridge, I played for the, the Woodbridge Wolfpack. Um Is that the near the United United States of America?
0: Is that the one where you had a pass like the jail? Or something going out to Staten Island. I remember I played.
1: No, no that is the Staten Island Pavilion where I
0: also played. Um, I played there. The Have you played? You played there? I remember playing there. I, I Yeah, because they were like, but I, I, I played for PAL. And um, this is 2005, 2006. No. 2006, 2007. I was playing um, A- 18U. Uh, back then it was midget major and um, I remember parents like threw stuff on the ice <laughs> after we won <laughs> or something happened like they were like throwing stuff. I was like oh yikes I'm not Some, they it was maybe it was like wreck time at the jail and that they, they didn't let him come out to the rink or something
1: yeah well I didn't play very long there for reasons that are now abundantly obvious and uh <laughs> I, I i moved on to and my, my dad who said no, no, enough of this we're, we're going to jersey and uh started playing for what was first the woodbridge wings um and then we became the woodbridge wolf pack um and i played over in jersey for a while so the staten island pavilion no although i did work there in my later years as a skate guard i, I you know just made some money there um but i did not uh i did not play there very long i played over in woodbridge
0: did you play the Hitmen? Yeah, yeah. I remember when I went to Silver Sticks. Again, this is like 2006 or whatever, or probably around this time. Um, I have the hoodie still. Uh, we mm-hmm. played like the Hitmen. It was like the Pennsylvania team it was like the Quakers. I had, literally had like the oatmeal guy on their jersey. It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, like literally like a Quaker. Was, like, <laughs> a like that. Um, oh, is it? There's a New Jersey, the uh, brick. Right, they had cool green jerseys too. Um, they were good. I think,
1: yeah, yeah. I think I think I know who you are talking about.
0: Um, God is going down like a rabbit hole of weird stuff just because of a crummy rink. Yeah, this is a, this is a terrible one, and it's freezing. If anyone's played up in Ramapo, so this is like north of Yonkers, I think, or maybe in Yonkers, um, it, that rink was one of the coldest rinks I've ever been in. There is one in Yonkers too, is like it just had a roof on it. And you had to walk. The locker rooms were like these other small building off the main building, and it was just just a roof. So I, I remember playing there in like February. It was freezing.
1: Oh, it was Mullen
0: Arena. <laughs> oh my god, what a nightmare! Are the Islanders in Arizona? No, no. The uh, this week the no.
1: Arizona Coyotes are oh. in on Long Island. Yeah,
0: they're uh, they're on a fourteen game road trip. They're in the midst yes, of that they are. right now. So, I don't know, you really need to kind of pounce on that and get those get those two points there. That's oh, yeah. uh that, that's absolutely got to happen. Um tweet us a crummy rink that you played in either on Long Island. My home rink was at the Rinks for anyone out in that area, the Hop Hog area. Um played at the like the Freeport Bubble. Um that was a that was a crappy rink now that I'm thinking about it, too. Um, oh there's like Kings Park Superior those might be the same thing there's a couple of them tell us your rank even a roller hockey rank Sports Arena American Line we want we want to hear about it um, I need some throwback stuff for sure what's the there was oh, Skate Safe in Bethpage I remember I saw like a professional roller hockey tournament there once it was very weird <laughs> maybe, maybe it was a maybe it was a college tournament Um, there was it was Whatever. It was very good. Um, all right. I think we're at the t- that's, that's the point in the show. We're going to wrap it up there. I don't know if that's a good ending or not, but um, we're going to call it. It's not going to get worse. Uh, <laughs> please rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen or watch the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram and YouTube at Asim Hockey. You can find James work at the fourth period. You can find my work at the Hockey Writers. Make sure you subscribe to Isles Fix. They are at an everyday pace at this point. Great catching up via email. Um, James, bring us home. Until next time,
1: everybody. Let's go Islanders.